I lay on a ward, a cancer ward, and I saw people being negative, wallowing in their, their illness, because it's easily done, and dying. And I saw people getting on with it, not embracing the illness, riding it out as best they can, and surviving. It gets better cause it has to get better We're all made of humans You are about to listen to the second part of Stuart Saint's Mopart episode. I really hope you enjoyed the first one. Stuart is, I mean, his life, he's had... I mean, what a life to have had. <laughs> so I'm going to let you listen to the second part in just a bit. If this is the first episode you've ever listened to, I'm Sophie Hagen. I am a stand-up comedian and your host. This podcast is, I mean, to be fair, you should probably listen to first part. And then I do all the explanations there. This is just like a little low-key kind of thing. So for those of you who've returned, thank you for returning. I'm still on tour. And uh, there are only a few tickets left for New Milton, Northampton, and in Denmark, Aarhus, Odense, and Olbo. So go to sophiehagen.com and get tickets for that. I am about to announce a shit ton of live Mopad episodes, right? Uh, I am about to announce shows in both London and, oh, somewhere in, I think, Scotland. It's called something that I that sounds Scottish, and I'm gonna have to be really careful because it might be <laughs> a whole other place, and I don't know anything. But uh, London, Scotland, and Brighton, I'm doing a lot during the Brighton Fringe. So go to madeofhumanpodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter, and then you will be the first person to know. Okay. Uh, other than that, keep an eye out on Twitter and stuff. But if you receive the newsletter, madeofhumanpodcast.com, you will be the first to know about these tickets. Okay, I am super duper excited about doing the live shows. It makes me so happy. And um, yeah, I can't wait. There's one all in London on the 19th of February. So this is like soon. So put that in your, in your diary and sign up for the newsletter. And as soon as we have them up, I'll let you know. Okay. Was there more stuff I had to say? I mean, thank you. You're just... Oh, you're just the best. I mean, and like I did a gig tonight, just a random gig, and then I later found out that a lot of Mopadas were in the audience, and it's just, I can't, it's hard to explain how happy that makes me. Um, so, ah, uh, we, we have, this is good, isn't it? <laughs> you know, when something's so good, like it's almost too good to be true, you know, like I get to, you know, like this is, this is my thing, like I've created this thing, and I'm just really, I feel quite lucky that, I have people like you supporting it. And, oh, God, I sound like a fucking Oscar speech. But <laughs> uh, it's just been quite a week. And I'm really, like, I'm back now, like, in the UK and back to work. And Christmas was really long. And I'm back in therapy. And I'm back on stage. And it's, there are a lot of emotions. And, um, yeah, and I've just had a really lovely gig where I realized later that Mopar does win. So that's, so, uh, that's just where I am. So, uh, so come for tour tickets for my live show. Um, I'm also still filming it on March 11th. So email me at madeofhumanpodcast at gmail.com if you want to come to the live recording of my show. And madeofhumanpodcast.com for blah, blah, blah. For the, um, what was the other thing? <laughs> for the live episodes. I'm so sorry. This is a bad intro. But I'm going to let you listen to Stuart in just a bit. First, everyone's favorite segment. It is the... Acts of Disobedience, and this one is from Audrey. Hi, Sophie. I recently went to a, a meetup event called Diversity and Tech in Vancouver. After the first presentation, during the Q&A, a white man in the audience asked all of us what he could do to help as a cisgendered white straight man. I think he was very proud to know how to articulate his words and state to state his privilege. To state his privilege. When I walked over and shared my suggestions during the break, he was not so open to listen after all. What a surprise, not. In the end, he told me that it was more a, a rhetorical question. <laughs> I was furious. After the last presentation, I went back and confronted him about his behavior, but he wasn't really willing to listen. Oh, white men. <laughs> so, after I went home crying out of anger on the train, or tube, as you may say, <laughs> I wrote an article about it. Gave it a BuzzFeed-style title, which was Why I Walked Away from a Tech and Diversity Event Crying Over a White Man and plastered it all over my social media, including the original event page. I put it all into a sad and funny story, wrote him a to-do list and called him out on his shitty behavior. Speaker and organizers had my back. 
uh, and tweeted my article as well. It ended up getting almost 2,000 views, and the guy apologized on Twitter. Apparently, he's famous in the coding world and has 130,000 Twitter followers. This whole thing was slightly terrifying, but also extraordinarily pleasing. The best part is that I didn't that I that I don't know anyone in Vancouver, and I did not give a shit that this guy is a well-known person in the industry. <laughs> oh, this makes me so happy! Like literally every single week when I read these, I reach like peak happiness. That is so fucking cool, Audrey. Thank you so so much. Uh, if you've done anything like this, if you've uh, in any way at any point kind of stuck it to the man. Uh, go to madeofhumanpodcast.com and uh, submit your acts of disobedience. You can also buy t-shirts on the website if you want to do that. Um, I'm now going to let you listen to the second half of uh, the wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful Stuart Saint. I was quite shut away about everything until the video and that was what was really I'm about to do another video as a follow-up but it's been so incredibly freeing but you said it to me I am opinionated and I get annoyed at everyone's opinions and lines but I don't put my opinions out there because you're always worried about the backlash because I'm not really a confrontational kind of person also because the amount of shit that I've had I'm too tired to have all that going on but <laughs> I always use this quote and it's from Legally Blonde movie which is really cheesy <laughs> but she says if you don't like she's choosing a wedding dress and the fabric doesn't work and she says you don't like the fabric change it and it's very simple you know um, but you don't just change it by moaning or whinging or putting things on Facebook about it I mean that helps putting things on Facebook because it's, it's, it's a way of putting information out there but you've got to get off your ass and you've got to go do something but that is also you don't have to be screaming and shouting from the top of every building so everyone can hear you, your little voice can change something. And I'm going to cry on you right now because it did when I put the video out. People were messaging me. I was not expecting. It took me half an hour before I started to record it. I recorded it in the night and I was coming to work the next in the daytime and I didn't post it until 11 o'clock the next morning. And I undenied about it and I did it. And then I was busy all day and my phone was going like crazy. And um, lots of lovely comments. You can read them all on my Facebook, all the comments of the wonderful things that friends had said and people said. But I was getting private messages from complete strangers because you start, you shared it. You and a couple of people shared it. And then you shared it on your other page as well. And then it we got shit about 15 16 times and then like yeah and people were messaging me going you don't know me i just saw this through somebody's news feed and i want to tell you my story <sighs> i had somebody tell me that they were hiv and they had been on the fence about trying to tell people and after they saw me do it they did it and they'd done it and i was getting all the support from their friends can you imagine if you'd seen you do that like a day after you got the diagnosis like if you'd but seen it changed someone. everything yeah i know but it's huge isn't it it's really huge the power of, i'm so i'm getting upset sorry um oh, um it's just really it's incredibly moving yeah i had people tell me send me messages tell me they have uh, they've dated somebody that was HIV. Some people just to tell me that I don't know you. I, um, I'm just compelled to tell you you're amazing. Um, all this like love from complete strangers, and it's, it was very empowering, very freeing. I don't feel any shame about being HIV anymore. It was like almost an instant. It had gone within a day. It just gone. Um, yeah, and those messages, and then the comments. I couldn't keep up with all the comments on the post, but I tried to respond to all the private messages because I thought that was really important. Um, yeah, um, yeah, crazy. The, the, and the other big thing about that was my friends with children mm. messaged me to say that they'd sat down their eight-year-old child and explained to them who I was, what HIV is, and what it means to be undetectable. That is incredible. Like, incredible. What is it to be undetectable? Because when well, you told yeah. me I had... No so undetectable. Idea. This is my my new crusade. Education, education, education. Yeah. Well, there's four campaigns out at the moment. Three or four campaigns that have been launched at the moment to, to try and educate everybody what undetectable is. So when you're HIV, you get diagnosed, and everyone's positive. When you so you have a HIV neg- negative if you haven't got it, you're HIV positive if you have got it. Which is always funny because 
negative is bad and positive is good. So positivity is great. So I always find these two words very strange because I feel like it's confusing. Because, you know, I should be negative because it's bad. But I'm actually HIV positive, but I'm a positive person. It's very strange going, oh, yeah, I'm positive. And you like go, mm-hmm. oh, that's mm-hmm. really weird. I find it weird. Um, anyway, um, what happens is, so we, yeah, proper, here's the science bit, concentrate. So you have, there's two things they look at. One is called your viral load, and that's how much of the virus you have. And this is from a blood sample. And the other one is your CD4, which is your, your CD4 count, which is your immune system, um, your T cells, your, you know, call it CD4 count now. Now, CD4 count is like a measurement of your immune system and how flourishing it is. So what the aim is, is to bring the virus load down. And so then when the virus load is down, the virus is weakened and can't really do much, which then allows your CD4, your immune system to flourish. Because no one really dies of HIV. It's always HIV or AIDS related illnesses. The virus can't kill you. It's the fact that it attacks your immune system and then you get sick and you can't get any better. So they used to wait until your CD4 count was at a certain point or your viral load was at a certain point before they put you on meds. Now they don't really give the option. You go straight on meds as soon as you get diagnosed because there's now new studies and new facts to say the sooner you are undetectable, the better. So the pill, by taking your daily pill or pills, your um, antiviral, your ART or your antiretroviral um, combination therapy is you take your pills once a day at a certain time. And then what it does, I always describe it like, it's like it creates a cell. And in that cell, it collects all the HIV cells and it packs it away in the cell and it can't do anything. Yeah, so it just, it's just there trying to get out, but it can't do anything. Because the only thing they can't do is get rid of it. Because it, it, it buries itself in your DNA reservoirs. So they can't, but they're now finding this new technology of, of teasing it out. If they can get it out, they can kill it. But they can't get it out. It attaches to your system and that's why they can't cure it. That would be like that. a cure. Yes, and yeah. they're getting close to it. There's, they're, they're, yeah, that's what, one of the things that they've been talking about. So I always imagine like this little cell that's in my body and there's all these like little HIV things going, ah, let me out, let me out. So what it does, and then, then your immune system flourishes. So then like people can be diagnosed and their viral load can be like thousands of millions and it's shrink it right down, shrink it right down to, I think it's under 40, it used to be under 20, but I think it's under 40. And if it's under 40, you are what they call undetectable. Um, HIV positive, undetectable or UD. There's other things called U equals U, blah. There's so many of them. It's very confusing. But I always think there should be a third status, positive, negative, or undetectable. Mm. It should be positive, undetectable. I always think it should be mm. like undetectable because that's the three statuses of HIV. And now they've done these studies for years with couples, gay and straight. So male, 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 female, female, male, female, um, where... One is positive, one is undetectable. Um, one is positive, one is negative. And, and the positive person is undetectable. And they've had unprotected sex for years. Over these studies, studies of three, and there's been like more and more of these studies around the world. Um, and nobody has passed it on. So it means, and so THT, Terence Higgins Trust, now have a campaign called Can't Pass It On. So if you are undetectable, you cannot pass on HIV. It is untransmittable. Which is fucking amazing. And that's where I am. And there's also... People need to know that. Like people really fucking need to yeah, know that. Yeah, it's really huge. And it, there's these campaigns. There's one called Do It Your Way. Do it London. Do it your way. Uh, you may have seen the posters on the tube. It's a big white poster with these coloured squares. And it tells you all the ways to prevent HIV. <clears throat> mm. And one of them says, undetectable. Prep. Condoms. Not sharing needles. Et cetera, et cetera. So it has everything on the poster and I nearly cried I was on a tube platform and the tube was pulling away because I just missed it and it pulled away there's this big huge fuck off poster going HIV is not contractible if you are you know how to protect yourself and there's just all these regular people I was like oh yes <laughs> I was like oh, yes queen I was just like yeah, that's amazing it's just out there in public like that it's in a really positive kind of way like it was really cool but there's several campaigns now trying to explain to people what undetectable is but still so many people and even in the gay community they don't understand it or they're still they're like yeah but you're still HIV it's like yeah but this, this It, it, you can't pass it on. You cannot pass it on if you are indetectable. So things like dating and and going out and just having casual sex and stuff is that? It's still a nightmare. Yeah. Well, it isn't. It isn't. It depends who you meet. Well, I don't yeah. want to talk about it massively, but through the video, somebody contacted me and we talked and we're kind of dating at the moment. Okay. Not kind of. We are dating. Not, yeah. That's not jinx at them. No, and it's no. very lovely, but because he understands it and seen it from the beginning. But that was the whole point of doing the videos. Now, now I'm not hiding it. It's just out there. Now. Yeah, well, I was about to say that that's sometimes the power of when you are something, not necessarily pr- proud is probably the wrong, but out. 
like cause I'm what I'm thinking of now. The reason I'm phrasing it this way is like the fatness, like. You know, I remember being like not wanting to be fat, hating my body. It's about owning it, isn't it? Yeah, because then I would, you know, put up photos where I looked thin, and I wouldn't meant, and I'd be like apologetic about it in my profile. It was like online dating and stuff. And where now it's very much like, hey, by the way, I'm fat, and then they can be like, oh, oh, she knows. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like an awkward thing. It's the same. It's exactly the same with gay. Yeah, because everyone knows that you are. When you come out and goes, oh, we knew. It's like, yeah, I know you knew, but I've got to say it. I've got to get it out of my bloody system. It's like, right, I know now, and you all know now. Right, should we move on now? Should we just live now? Yeah, everything's yeah. a tiny Basically. bit easier once you've... Kind but of- you still come across... I'm still coming across stuff. And um, you say, oh, I don't care, and water off a duck's back and all that. But you must have come across it, like you say, with your weight and stuff. When people are horrible, they're fucking horrible. Oh, and you can protect yourself all you want, but it still bloody hurts. But I feel like it's an extra... Oh, it does. And I, yeah, I cannot deny that. I've been on a date once, and I, I told this guy on a date... And very casually, actually, and he literally stopped speaking to me, got up and walked away. It's hideous, isn't it? Fucking hell. Hideous. And then I was talking to a guy on an app, and I just, I, you know, disclosed my status, and then he was, um, he called me everything. He said that I was dirty, I was everything wrong with the, with, 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 with the gay scene, and yeah, yeah. People are just cruel, aren't they? I'd rather have the silence than nothing else. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just Well, there's, there's another trend as well within the gay community as well. They, they ask you if you are clean. Oh, is that a, that's a euphemism for... That? Yeah, are you disease-free? Jesus. Well, yeah, Even okay. disease-free still makes me feel sick. Yeah. Because then it means I'm not valid because yeah. I, I unfortunately have a disease. But like, you know, that was just words. Words are horrible. Even now that makes me feel sick. Yeah. But like, yeah, are you clean? So like, well, I always answer, well, I've had a shower today. Yeah. And everything else is ready to go. Um, and like they go, no, I mean, you're HIV positive. So well, why don't you ask that then yeah. instead of saying, are you clean? Because I'm not dirty just because I have a virus. Yeah. When you got... But that's the stigma, That's because that's the way it was promoted. Exactly, and that's that, what I'm thinking. That so huge when you tom- got, tombstone in the 80s on the television. When you got the diagnosis, did you think those things as well? No, because again, being ill-educated, it was the same with the cancer though as well. Uh, you automatically think, because probably your only references of this kind of stuff if you've not had it in your life is TV dramas and soaps mm. and films. So you automatically go towards like, am I going to get really skinny? Am I going to get lesions? And, you know, uh, I didn't even really think about the sex. And then will I die from getting a cold? That's basically like straight weight. And it's the same with the cancer. I had this amazing nurse called Shona. And she was like, what are you worried about? I went, um, I'm going to be really skinny. My hair's going to fall out. I'm going to be sick all the time. I'm going to have bruises. And she was like, yeah, all of that. She went, but that actually means the chemo's in your body. I said, you don't you get bruises from cancer. You get the, you know, it's from the chemo. So it means the chemo is in your system. And I was like, that's a wonderful way to look at it. You know, she went, you don't lose your hair because of cancer. You lose your hair because of the chemo. It's the poison because it, it basically blanks your cells out and they reboot you. That's the whole point of chemotherapy, that they blank your system out and then they restart it and a new system doesn't grow with cancer in it. So they did mine four times. So I used that as a sign of, I turned that around. So my friend said to my friends, if you see me with bruises, if I'm a bit skinny or if I've got no hair, it means I'm getting better because it means that the chemo's in there. So it's got to be doing something if it's in there. So we used it like that. Um, but yeah, I had all the questions like anybody would do. Yeah. But like the way that the care system is, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the country, but in London, the clinics here are fucking amazing. And I would not be here today without any of them. And um, the services that are provided, that's why it's so important to support them. Don't fear them. Um, uh, fundraise for them. Grow awareness because it's so important because if those are gone, we're buggered. And people need them. But yeah, amazing. They, they, they treat it in such a way, a normal way, that it's not an issue. I don't know if you've ever heard of a clinic here in London called um, 5016 Street. Mm, possibly. There's several. There's one in Hammersmith called 10 Hammersmith Broadway. There's um, another one. They all work in conjunction with each other under the umbrella of Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. And the network is amazing. 5016 Street is in Soho. Bang, in the middle of the gay, like yeah. the gay village, you know. And um, it's not just about HIV, though. It's about sexual health in general, that we're all having sex once we are old enough. I fucking wish. Am Yay! I, right? I know I right? what you're like. <laughs> um, but the thing is, it's, like, it's, it's to joke about it. 
um, and to just get checked regularly. Yeah. And I wasn't great on it because I wasn't educated about it. And I feared it and was so scared because it's like, God, are real. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, I can't. And the shame where now, because of the, the care I've had and the understanding that I've got, I... Um, have like a membership card you go in you bleep yourself in you get your test kit you go to the loo you do the test yourself oh really you put it in the suction pipe it goes up and then you Wait, get a te- you, right so you, you go in this one at Hammersmith is great you go in there's an iPad you bleep yourself in t- say what kind of tests you want and then as long as it's not a blood test or well, they do that first and then they give you a little baggie it's got the swabs and stuff in it. You can go to the toilet and in the mirror there's a little TV screen and it tells you how to do the swabs and you do them and you put them in this plastic cylinder you put it in and put it in the suction pipe it goes oh okay yeah and then you you get the suction pipe (laughs) no no that's the pleasure (laughs) Um, that's what you did before you went in Uh, (laughs) that's the reason why you're visiting visiting. Um, yeah and then they give you a text message and go um so all your tests come back negative or this happens you want to come back and get some treatment yep within four hours for most of them amazing yeah and i go every if i'm sexually active i go every three months and just get a screening and it's free because it's NHS. That's amazing. And yeah, and then if you've got something, if something's happened because you're having sex and whatever, things happen sometimes. You can be protected all you want as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, there are some um, STIs that do do carry. Um, but they, they just sort of have a laugh. It's, when you go anywhere, it looks like a hotel. It's all like plush and there's magazines. It's so cool Wi-Fi. You just you know it's, it's cool to have sexually transmitted infections, guys. It's not. No, it's cool to get tested. But the fact that it's made in that way where yeah. it's just like bish, bash, bash, it's just yeah. something you do. Because yeah. you've got to get it done. Because if you're being sexually active, then. Yeah. So great. And then they do all these support groups and workshops and all this if you want to go that far. But Amazing. the fact that you can just go, bleep, can I have a touch? done text message? So when you went in for the check, was it just like a regular no, check? No, I went in for a specific check. For the um, HIV, you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, but because I, I didn't regularly get tested until then. No. no. Did you think, was it because you had it, was it like a surprise? I guess that's what I'm asking. No, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah? Yeah, I've been exposed and I was just like, right. this is going to happen, isn't it? I just knew in my head. Because they do a thing called um, uh, PEP, which is a pre-exposure. So if you okay. know that you've been exposed, if, you, if you've been exposed, I think it's, I can't, I'm going to get the facts wrong now, but it's a finger prick test. Okay. And they can see if it's positive or not straight right. away. And then if you've been exposed in less than 72 hours they can put you on pep and you take it for a month and it can stop the virus taking hold yeah that's Uh, really important it's very important yeah but it's yeah so if you do think you've been exposed once and you're not sure go get tested straight away um, and you can stop it in its tracks yeah um but it's not foolproof but it is, no. it's another defense mechanism. Yeah, because I can yeah. imagine, and this is just me guessing, or like what from what I know about a lot of people's self defense. And that seven eight years ago was very new. Well, that's it. That you know, I can imagine a lot of people would, if they thought they just kind of. It's almost like, like a morning after pill, but it's not one pill. It's a month, and it, the treatment's yeah. horrible. It make you sick. It's horrible. It's not very nice. Sometimes you'll just shut your eyes and be like, la 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 la, no, it's not happening. It's but not happening. you could. But you, you need you to could, do it quickly. Yeah, yeah. Before it takes a hold. Yeah. So you knew you'd been exposed, so you Go. thought it was good. Well, that's why I went, but yeah. then it was too late. And then there was just an avalanche of... Stuff. Fucking... And that's all my life has been about. And there's been other stuff and amazing stuff as well, but sometimes I just think that's all my fucking life has been about. And I'm trying to really, since doing the video, because I got ill in the summer, and they sort of explained to me that this is always going to be around. You're going to get cold. You may have to go into hospital. You may not. It's scary, but I was like, I cannot live my life like this. I cannot. I've got to make it as easy as possible. I have to do this bloody treatment once a week at home and pump my body with stuff, which takes a couple of hours, and it's painful. But... I can either sit there and be miserable about it or I can own my shit and then just crack on. And I'm trying to do that now. And that, the video was like a big breakthrough. And then since the feedback from the video was, oh, you speak really well. We like how natural you are. I don't feel like you're lecturing us or anything like that. Mm. They were like, speak more, tell us more about it. So I, I feel like I'm going to do more videos as we go along. I feel like you have to. Yeah, but I, it's going to be quite sporadic. Like I know I need to do this follow-up one, but I'll, I'll, it'll just, I'll just do it when, I'm, when it's right. Oh, yeah, do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And Because like, we were talking, you say, find your voice and how you want to use online and whatever. And I'm not sure what that is, but I'm, can I, in, gonna, I'm looking forward to this year and just experimenting and whatever mm. happens with it. And the funny thing was, was that Terence Higgins Trust through, had a meeting this week through the Phoenix Artist Club because we're going to be doing some fundraising. Which is also where we're, right now, where, where we I'm are. usually recording my shows. And where, where I work. Where yeah. you work. Where we've met, and um, 
in London. Yeah, we're doing some uh, fundraising for them um, over the summer. And I had a meeting with them and they told me about this thing called, I was telling them about the video and they were, and, um, they were telling me this thing called Positive Voices and you can add your story to it and they would love to talk to me. So I'm going to do that. And then once I've done the follow-up video, like you said, I think I may do, I've been thinking about writing an article about before doing it and the after effect and just sort of that whole sort of process of a couple of months of like because it's been because I haven't done anything yet I've spoken out that much because I'm I'm still processing it all mm. like wow because it was very overwhelming yeah I remember watching the video and I I think I was going into it thinking that I was going to have like a not a critical but like a um what's the word like a I thought I was going to be able to give you like constructive feedback yeah. or something like that and then it just completely knocked me over and I was like ah there's no f- like, I, this is I was like this transcends logic this is so pure emotional thank you importance I was like this is like what am I gonna say what you know like that's not a yeah. thing this is like you bearing and yourself it's, yeah it's, and it's so important we spoke and you like find your voice do it in your own way and then I sat there like I set my camera up and then I was like Sort of, I made a few notes and I was thinking in my head, what what are the points am I going to talk about? And I have to get to, to the point. Mm. And it took about half an hour, I sat there and I was like, right, just start filming. And obviously, because the key thing was it was World AIDS Day when I did it. So that was mm. the way to start the conversation off. And then I was talking about my, because I've posted about World AIDS Day in the past. And I said, well, I, so when I've rewatched the video and I finally took the courage myself to watch it, going, God, how do I look and how do I sound? Um, there's looking back at it now I can see the moment when I've got to there's a moment that you can see that I've got to say it and yeah. I know I have and I take a couple of pauses and oh, I go oh it takes you forever to say yeah. it and that's that's what's so good about yeah, it yeah and then when I say it there's a moment where I talk and I do that I sort of smile when I talk because in my head I've gone oh my god I've just said it oh my god I've just said it right I did it I did it like yeah but also I didn't I didn't want to be that jumping around going I love Katie Holmes like Tom Cruise did on Oprah but inside my brain was going you said it you said it you said it (laughs) do you know what I mean (laughs) can't take it back now can't take it back now and I was just like being really serious going yeah so that's that and I just do this thing where I go hmm hmm like that I smile to myself and you can see it on the video and it's like it's about 30 seconds after or something and you can just see that I'm really pleased with myself (laughs) it's like I'm stroking I'm going well done good boy It's really funny. The difference between having spoken to you before you did the video and now, I feel like before the video you weren't as sure. I think before the video you probably, maybe, and I might be wrong, placed yourself as someone who would watch a video like that yes. instead of the person doing the Oh, yeah, video. be incredibly moved by them, but yeah, I would never do it. But one to, deep down, yeah, I exactly. want to do that. And I think that's, that's why I basically tried to force you to do it because I was like you need to be in front of the camera. Yeah. You need to be the one inside of the screen. Well, also because people have been in the past have said, oh, you should blog because you, you talk well, or, you know, you, you've got fused opinions. And I've never, I was like, and it always feels forced. Where this mm. is it, but also when I've been in hospital as well, I've wanted to educate and say something, mm. but never found my point of view or gone, or maybe just not felt ready or go, well, what difference am I going to make? Do you know what I mean? Even mm. though I want to help. But, and also I've got too much to do with my own bloody life than to help anybody else's. That sounds really selfish, but that, because I get so tired and there's so much, bloody, I have four different hospitals and four different consultants and sometimes it can be quite full on. Um, and it's like, is there room for that? But then by doing the video, I just thought, oh, I don't have to post every day or every week. I can just post now and I can do what I want when I yeah. want. That's the beauty of it. And whoever wants to listen can listen. And mm. it's not really about, for me, gaining followers and things like that. It's just like, it was it was the people that were sending me the private messages telling me sharing their story but saying that they felt a connection to me and it had helped them which was not what i aimed to do i was not pl- the whole point was just me to come out so i could get it get rid of it and and free myself and to sh- to share but yeah and then it was that it was those 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 private messages that just sort of said you have an impact on people. You, everybody can change everybody else's life. And it doesn't have to be online and in a video either. You could go to a group session. I, well, another fly I picked up at Terence Higgins Trust was, was a scheme that they do where they go around to schools and talk. And I may see if I want to sign up for something like that, maybe. Um, I don't have money to give to charity, so I always find that these are the ways that I could help. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's what I mean about earlier when I said get off of Facebook and stop posting on Facebook so much about, I'm so annoyed by this. It's like, well, stop being annoyed and go out and change it. 
there do are, something. There are creators and there are destroyers. Yeah, and you don't have yeah. to be some big parader either, but you could go and speak to three people and have the conversation and you could make a difference. Like Shane on Big Brother. Hello, he's just chatting about his life experiences. That's all he's doing. And boom, people are connecting. And it's wonderful because when it's truthful, and this is what you're saying about my video, when it's truthful and honest like that, mm. and it sounds really egotistical to talk about it in a third person, but I get it that, that because we are force-fed so much marketing crap and um, fakery. Even I noticed it even in the entertainment industry, like the X Factor and Britain's Got Talent, mm. so constructed and reality TV, and it's all so fake that... Um, we all indulge in it. I love a RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, <laughs> but um, we are starved of, real, of real reality. Oh God, yeah. So when we get it, we actually do really respond to it. When I work with a lot of cabaret artists, like they do is, hello, ladies and I might stop it. Be yourself. Like, they will love you for it. That's why they've come here, because mm. they're getting away from the telly and the computer mm. screen and whatever. They want real stuff. Mm. So be real. Say hi, talk to them. And they do. You must get that with your comedy, the way that you, when you do your stand-up, you talk to your audience. I always feel like you're you. It's like a, it's like a mate talking to me. Well, I, I remember the moment, and there were two moments, and one moment was um, someone had told me to go up and on stage without having prepared what I was going to say. Wow, which shit's was scary. Like, oh, it was like my... It was like doing my first gig again. And I went up and I just didn't know what I was going to say. And it was terrifying. And I just started talking about the weekend I'd had. And it was funny. And that was the first, I felt like that was my first ever comedy gig, even it's though I'd so been performing powerful. for three yeah. or four years. And the second one was going to Denmark, realizing that that was very much the culture on the open mic circuit where people, you know, be like, welcome to the stage, blah, blah. And then blah, blah would walk up and like walk on and say, so the other day I was in the supermarket. And then it would just be the joke. Yeah. Where I realized that when I went up there, I'd be like, oh, oh hey, okay, so oh, I'm going to Yeah, you could be on, could be on, could be on, um, yeah. Let's, let's see what I'm going to, I guess I'm going to talk, oh, I guess I'm going to talk about this. And being myself on stage, and also, it is a struggle with the podcast as well. Not a struggle, but it's it's difficult hearing myself talk and then thinking, oh, you were a bit of a dickhead there. Like, you, you interrupted or yeah. you said something. But then going, okay, but that is also... But that's natural ability. Natu- yeah, natural ability yeah. is a huge thing. And I think we're, we're losing it. Mm. And But then we pull it back in weird ways. But, like, we are starved of it. Because we, I, we, I think I'm, old, I'm older than you, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's that thing of like having the life pre-internet and post-internet and, and, and during yeah. not post-internet, during pre-internet. Like we have it now. <laughs> Just the technology, and not blaming the technology at all because it's an amazing tool, and I love it. If you you don't give yourself, don't be a slave to it. Let it work for you. It's supposed there to assist your life, not take over your life or dictate it. Um, but that naturability. So when you give it, and this is what I found with with the um the video was that that's all people people will respond to it so it's all you on stage or so when i'm hosting a gig or when i'm working with a cabaret person directing them and just going like you know what's your essence don't plan it don't structure it let's just go on there and be you Mm. you've got to refine it for when you're on stage but just if you're being truly you people will sit there and go so I'm doing impression of somebody listening. But they would sit there and, and just go, okay, I'm in. Also, and that, they and trust it. You know it. what? It all ties in in a really disgusting way. It all ties in with, because I think most of us assume that everyone knows how to be a human apart from ourselves. Yeah. And that's what it and is. Actually, like, no one's got a fucking clue. That's the thing. You just watch someone, you go, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's you one, from of, the one of the things. We had um, you who look amazing. Yeah. You who, and you actually have. Do you know who Georgie Morell is? She's. It's just stand up. She's did the poke in the eye. She's yeah, she's yeah, partially yeah. sighted. So I did, yeah, one um, and she's done a show called Poke in the Eye in Edinburgh, and we didn't get to see it. And we got her to the Phoenix Artist Club here, mm. um, and to to do it. And I sat and watched her show, um, and she was talking about her experience, how she was partially sighted, and that was fine. She got used to that, and then she lost the sight in the eye, and it could come back, or it could not. So she's completely blind, and then it came back. And it's an amazing story. But even that is completely different for me. There was one thing she said that I I was clicked in because it was like oh it's a comedy stand-up show about some blind girl I was like oh, okay whatever like great she really Georgie's she's amazing I really love her she's so funny um but yeah and she um she said because I always feel like I'm lonely within my diseases or my conditions I call them conditions it's better um but and I feel lonely, but it, but but I've got all these people around me, so I'm not lonely. It's the wrong word. And she said it. She said she was lying in the anaesthetic room before she went under for the operation, and I've done that many a time. And she said it wasn't lonely. She felt isolated. Mm. And I just thought, ah, oh, that's what I feel. Mm. But if I hadn't set a show and her talking about her stuff, I wouldn't have bloody known. Mm. Looking- it's so powerful. <laughs> it's 
so powerful. So instead of watching EastEnders and Doctor Fucking Who, do you know what I mean? Not that they're like crap, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like that it's to me. It's scripted. Someone decided. Yeah, yeah, life, yeah. and that's why I like the internet putting my video out there because somebody then went, "Hey, I watched your video. You're amazing." But by the way, I'm having this issue, and by watching you, you've maybe learned this. So I had to then. Georgie was in for a meeting the day, just using the Phoenix, and she came in. I went, "I have to tell you this because people have told me this. You inspired me, or whatever." So when you look back at your childhood, do you still feel like that was loneliness or was that also isolation? Probably, it's probably isolation. And do you know what? I probably isolated myself. Why? Because, but, but because there was nothing there for me to get involved with. It wasn't there. It wasn't spoken about. So I didn't know where to integrate to. So, but instead of, uh, maybe, instead of maybe speaking up more or going, hey, because I'd been so scared because there was so much anti and the homophobia and the laws and stuff that... I hid and I isolated myself. But did society make me isolate myself or did I do it? Fuck knows. And I don't really care because it's all gone now. It's done. I'm here right now. And it's only somebody very special has said this to me very recently. It's like, stop overanalyzing everything. We do way too much of that. And he, I, I thought I wasn't a person, but he was like, yeah, you are. And he was like, just be, just be your fucking self and just live in the moment right now. And I find that so difficult, but I'm actually trying and I'm on day two. And it's doing all right. <laughs> like you were like, let's it's, do a podcast. I was about to o'clock. say, it's really bad for my podcast. You don't want to analyze your life. No, I know. But to, no, talking <laughs> about it is different. Mean, yeah, but like, yeah, it's it's interesting. But also, but you can look at it. But then it's like, right, and then stop thinking about it now. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll never get the answer. So what's the point of searching for it if it's gone? There are there are two questions that I always ask people on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, the first one is a bit new. I'm still trying it out, but I really love this question. Go for it. It's a tiny bit of a backstory. This is the question that when I met the best band in the world, Westlife, yeah. when I was 13, this is the one question I thought, I'm going to ask them this question. Okay. And it's going to be a fucking incredible answer, right? Um, <laughs> and that didn't turn out to be that great. So we're still trying to figure out if this is a good question or if I'm still trying to hold on to my 13-year-old toe. <laughs> You're probably holding on to your 13 year I might be, I might yeah. be. And so basically the question is, because so you knew you were well, not for a long time but you knew we were going to do this podcast eventually and it's about you and there's I always find there's this annoyance when uh when you do get interviewed or when you talk, and you can I don't know I, I prepare things in my head a lot and yeah so the, the question basically is what question would you most like to be asked like by me oh, now wow that's I have no idea it could be idea. anything from silliness like because at one point I, I thought about it when you were talking about how you said your life is so much more than this thing. Yeah. Um, you know the question could be you know what's the point of you? <laughs> what is the point of you? And the answer is um, I don't. The straight answer is I don't know, and I don't know if we ever know to be honest. Because you're just uh, cliche says you're just passing through. We all know there's an end in sight. And that'll come whenever it wants to. Hopefully you get to live a full experience. But the point... So I'm going back to death again. Because I lay on a ward, a cancer ward, and I saw people being negative, wallowing in their, their illness, because it's easily done, and dying. And I saw people getting on with it, not embracing the illness, riding it out as best they can, and surviving. That was really interesting. It's got nothing to do with why am I here, but it's just really interesting. Um, I don't. I don't think you ever know. You're here to experience. If you, I'm a bit of a believer in laws of attraction and vibrational manifestation, not cosmic bloody ordering and all that bullshit, but just the fact that what you give out is what you get back. So that you sort of because we're all energy. So energy has to react with each other. Everything is energy. So I really believe in that scientific thing and 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 on the spiritual side as well um i was gonna make a point of philosophy see this is what happens when i get tired i lose my point um why am i here why what's the point of what's the point of you um uh, you're here oh yeah that was my point with the laws of attraction sometimes they, they say that you sort of you manifested to come here the energy that you were or you are decided that this was where you were going to come to so you know I sort of believe in that a little bit. So I've obviously come here for a reason. And then when I lie on my deathbed, um, 
which ended up being my deathbed. Um, But when I was lying there, when it could have all gone, I just kept thinking, what was the point of being here? What was the, if I'm going to go now? And there's things that, because I'm a creative and I'm a writer and things like that, there's all this creative stuff that I want to do. And there's, a friend of mine said it to me a while ago, she said, you're quite addicted to life, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I do love it. Even though it's dramas, I do quite... Otherwise, I think I would have given up. I don't think I'd be here right now. So why am I still here? Why am I still fighting and trundling along and getting on with it? I suppose because I'm addicted to it. Um, But when I lay there, I just thought, I don't want to go because there's things I want to do. And there's things I want to experience. I want to experience great love. Um, I want to feel the sunshine on a beach. Just that's one of my favourite things. Um, I just want to eat Cinnabon all day. I just, do you know what I mean? Like, there's too many great things for not to be here. Did you do so there's the no things point. you wanted to do? Um, I'm, I've done some of them. Some of them went really badly. How so? Um, just because of lack of knowledge or experience, but I got out there and did it. I always fear a lot of things, but I also have this, this risky, adventurous person. I'm a typical Pisces. It's one way or the other. So I have this thing like, oh, I'm really scared or whatever. And then I jump off the diving board. Do you know what I mean? And suffer the consequences, whatever they are. So quite an impulsive person, quite full on, um, but also can be really withdrawn. Um, so... What did you do? What, what kind of stuff? I was like, was like, like classics, like bungee jumping and. No, 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 not at all. Like personal stuff, like putting, like creating. I create all these mad ideas and shows and ideas for videos or songs or performances or whatever in my head all the time, and I always forget really important information because my head is full with all this. Crit- like I forget people's birthdays. Like, when's my birthday? And I celebrate it with them every year, and I still can't remember the dates or a house number. I just forget. I go, what number do you live at again? They say, you've been here 20 times. Like, I just can't remember because it's my head is full with, like, this show and that show, and I'm creating that, and I'm doing that when I'm 50, and, you know, and I've got all these, like, so my head's quite busy. Um, so it's just putting things on like that and, and maybe not being geared up enough or being a bit rose-tinted glasses because I'm alive, I'm doing this now, and who cares? And then not really planning it out or, yeah, or things go wrong because it's just life, things do go wrong. So I, there's one thing, I, and I, I know we've run over a bit yeah. here, but um, there is one thing... I, I'm totally rambling now as well. No, 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 no this is, <laughs> So there's one thing I'm really curious about because... You were already addicted to life before yeah, all totally. the disease happened. Yeah, before everything. Even when I was a little kid, loved it. Even though I was a loner, didn't have many friends, I was bullied to shit. I still loved stuff. Very that's, that's passionate. What that's the... Very passionate. I was very creative when I was a little kid. That's Always. Rare. I was very crafty. Did like, like Friends would be playing out the street or whatever, and I'd be like paper quilling and growing crystals and doing the garden. And I used to make dyes and do tie-dyeing, but I'd make my own dyes. I was very proud of that. Do, I, I was so gay, knitting, cross-stitch, um, colouring in. I had a train set and Lego and all of that. But like you're real, like, yeah, creative. But... I'm play acting with my friends, like mums and dads and hospitals, not the naughty doctors and nurses, but just, just we the, play shops. We used to play, yeah, we used to play shops. Oh. So I love playing shops. It's my favourite thing ever. It's always the cashier. <laughs> but Stuart, so it sounds like life has really tried to get you, I mean, that sounds like a lyric or something, but get you down, like... It's like trying to take me away. Th- it's a lesson. Yeah. It's all a lesson. It's very cliche how, to say wh- that. The, how does... Where does the joy, happiness, uh, positivity come from? I don't know. I have no idea. So I just whispered that. I have no idea <laughs> because I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Is this strength? Forever optimistic. I believe that we all have it. Though. Yeah. I don't feel like people say, oh, I'm not as strong as you. I couldn't have done what, do what you do. I'm like, but when you're faced with it, you basically have a choice. But I also learned early on, because not long before it, I really started to heavily get into this laws of attraction, just energy, vibrational thing. And it was just like you say, and if you wake, woke up every morning and you had a choice to be in a good mood or bad mood, what would you choose? Well, you'd say a good mood, wouldn't you? So then it says, well, go on then. Wake up every morning and choose to be in a good mood. And you yeah, but, but this happened. You said, yeah, but you've woken up today. Do you want to be in a good mood or a bad mood? I want to be in a good mood. So be in a good mood then. It's that simple. We overcomplicate everything. Which leads me to the last question. Now, I always ask people this, and I'm still not sure of how to phrase it. Okay, you can phrase it any way you want to. I'll be completely offended either way. (laughs) That's the usual reaction, good. So, this is a scenario. Mm -hmm. You're in the delivery room. Is anyone wearing leather? No? I mean, you can add that that yourself. (laughs) You're going to regret that Uh, uh, once I tell you what this is. (laughs) 
<laughs> so <clears throat> you are in the delivery room. You've yeah. just been born. Yeah. Teeny tiny Stuart. Yeah. And you are you now holding yourself as a teeny tiny baby. And Stuart, oh, he's crying. The teeny tiny Stuart. Is, <laughs> little baby Stuart is crying and crying and little screaming. Little noisy fucker. <laughs> because, you know, there's lights and sounds everywhere. And that wasn't there in the womb. So it's all scary and horrible. And you look at this baby and you know that the next... Well, the rest of this baby's life or up until the point you're at now you know, you know there's going to be so much light so many sounds but it's not going to be lights and sounds it'll be other scary things it'll be equally it'll yeah. feel as strong as what it does to this baby now and you can say something to teeny tiny baby Stuart that might calm it down a bit or make it less scared if that's what you want to do either way you can say something to teeny tiny baby you what would you say to your little self. What, to calm me down or just to say myself stuff about life and about what's going to happen to you? Whatever you want to say. You have a chance to say something to baby you. It's scared. It doesn't know what's going to happen. And you can't change the future in any kind of way. But little baby you is terrified. <laughs> what someone said to me about 10 years ago, literally this is going to sound really unsympathetic and really harsh, take the rough with the smooth. Someone told me that in about 93, 94 and it's never left me. That's it. I can't sit there and go, this is going to happen to you and you're going to have to really deal with it and like, fuck off because no one told me. I've had to discover it and that's the beauty of it. And also, I don't want to look back and regret what's happened. It's all happened. I can't change it. It's what do I do about it now and then for tomorrow. So I can't really say much to it. Is that really bad? But just take the rough with the smooth because life is rough and smooth. So just take it. And is is that something you still need to be told? Yeah, I think everyone needs reminding. We all lose focus all the time because it's so busy. It's just so busy, there's too much going on. So we all need, that's what friendships are for and any kind of relationships or family members are for to go, whoa, get back on track, get back on track. Like, like I said, somebody recently told me to stop overanalyzing, Stuart, and just, just be. And, but that's what I tell myself, but I don't do it. And I give that advice to other people. But somebody just went, oh, get back on, you're going off the path. Let's just put you back on. Yeah, we all need to be told it constantly. Love you. <laughs> She's looking at me now, like going, "Oh, I'm gay. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen." So, it'll never happen. You will never have me. I'll get you a picture, though. Well, uh, in that case, I guess we're done. Um, I didn't even. I should have probably recorded this because uh, oh, it's all the rules. Four hours of talking. <laughs> what? Um, where can people? What's your, the name of your page where you're going to uh, Facebook, I've got a page. Stuart Saint is my official page. I do have a private page, but that's a different name. And you have to really wheedle me out to find me. Good luck. And I have a website, www.stuart-saint.com. Twitter? <laughs> Twitter, at Stuart Saint. It's not really a big Twitter. I can't, I just don't, I fucking but hate Instagram, it. Instagram, you're good on Instagram. I love Instagram, yeah. Which is? Yeah, at Stuart Saint. Amazing. Simple as, and of course, um, and I love it. You see, oh, because I'm a baker. I like baking cakes and cookies. You get a lot of cakes and cookies. Recently, some videos of me getting drunk and partying. That was fun. And I must, I love a selfie. I love a selfie. Oh, I love a, I, this, I'm getting my angle right. It's good fun. <laughs> I feel like a Kardashian. So anything else you want to plug? <laughs> I can't tell his name in public. <laughs> <laughs> um, condense the Phoenix Artist Club if you're ever in London yeah because uh, yeah, it's a great place you have amazing shows um, oh yeah and I'm releasing an album hopefully by the spring my album Princess which was a show with loads of dances but now it's a concept album and that'll be my first one I had a record contract um, in 2004-05 and I had it for five years only released a single and I still haven't released an album and I'm doing it this year oh yeah, it's really exciting. It's, it's really so exciting. exciting. I was actually writing some of it this morning, like finishing, because there's two songs that I've had to change, and I'm just finishing it off um, this morning before I came into town for Chinese and then met you. It's very exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I've told you it'd be four hours long. <laughs> Merry Christmas, <Thank> everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and thank you also to Stuart for opening up and being willing to talk to me. Do go and find him on Twitter and send him all your love and find him on Facebook and watch the video that he's been talking about. And yeah, I I can't wait to hear his music as well. He hasn't sent it to me yet, but I'm very excited about that. Um, I want to say thank I I know I spend a lot of the intro ramble on thanking you for being great, but I'm going to just do that a bit more because uh, like I want to... I want, there's a reason why I'm not mentioning the whole money aspect in the beginning. And that's because, uh, you know, I haven't really earned it yet. But if you're, I think it's because I'm thinking, if you're listening to this part, you've heard the whole episode. And 
I hope. I mean, I know some people hate to listen. Like you know, when you hate listen to something, and you're just like, oh, this is the worst. Like I've done that with some. I've done that with a few podcasts where I'm like, oh, I don't like this guy. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. And oh, does he mention me? And sometimes they do, and it's not good. <laughs> but so if you're not hate listening and you actually enjoyed it and you feel feel like you got something from this, it's um, maybe it's worth knowing that you can support it um, in a really nice way. You can support it financially, which is like this is it is a lot of work. Like there's a reason why podcasts kind of ask for money. You know, there's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, this being what 1 a.m. and I need to sleep and I don't have time for this. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not I'm also not complaining. But what I'm saying is if you choose to support financially, it is such a big help. And you're really contributing to something extraordinary, which is someone getting to do a passion project that actually benefits people and you're a part of it. And also, if you so what you can do, you can go to madeofhumanpodcast.com and you can press donate like a one-off and I get a little email and it makes me extraordinarily happy. Or you can go to patreon.com forward slash mopod, that's M-O-H-P-O-D, and you can become a friend of the podcast, meaning you give $5 uh, or more per episode. Uh, well, that's a friend of the podcast. You can also give whatever else, like a dollar, ten dollars, whatever you want to do. But if you give more than five dollars per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, uh, and that means that I will give you a shout out at the end of the episode, which sounds nice, but it's not. It's me butchering your name. So here we go. This week, uh, I want to thank the following people. Uh, I want to say thank you to Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingrith, Marnie Biles, Phil. Vapolis, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, George Pearson, Marbles Lost, Nina Anin, Taylor Marshall, Camilla Owo. I don't know if you're Danish, because that's Owo if you're Danish. If not, it's Overa. <laughs> Jessica Sheena Robinson, George Mk, oh Monk, uh, Jane Mahoney, Mansour Mir. Claire, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Ewan Wilkie, Josie, Lily, Robert Croston, Harry Minot, uh, Cecil Fjeldtun, Rachel Hemsley, Murray Fraser, Lucy, Elin Olofsson, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Steph Ream, Ruth Harvey, Bethany Dahlstrom, Katie Hatfield, Robin Cabot, James Frew, Karen Thrataway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sugo Larsen, Inga Ellingson, Caleb Melchior, Dr. Boda Cycle, <laughs> Emma Chan, Kathy Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Gerald. Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lambs, Grace Sutzer, Cat Pillar, Hale Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferrero-Agasid, and Daniel Reifer no. <laughs> Oh, there were some new ones. This is fun. Uh, so thank you so much for um, for all of your support. It genuinely means a lot. And uh, also, I put up a story just for patrons uh, that I just I just decided to tell a story from my life. And I put that up there recently. So there are sometimes some extra bits and stuff that you only get if you're a patron. Um, so anyways, uh, you are great. I will speak to you on Wednesday. I want to thank Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artists Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.